0: amen good morning faith family praise the lord for the worship and song that we've had already and we do want to take a moment this morning to recognize memorial weekend and as we think about memorial day it was originally called decoration day and it was instituted to honor union soldiers who died in the civil war well after world war one the purpose of the day expanded to include all men and women who have died in u.s military service So as we consider a Memorial weekend, oftentimes people uh, kind of earmark Memorial weekend as the unofficial start of the summer or basketball playoffs or baseball tournaments or, um, you know, time to cook burgers and hot dogs. And while all those things are are right and good, hang out with the family, go to the lake and the beach and the river and all the things, um, we, we need to just remember that this weekend has far more significance than... Those things. Um, And this is a sobering truth. Many men, many women, sacrifice their lives for our freedom. And it is right and appropriate and good to remember their sacrifice and to remember the families who are living in the wake of their sacrifice. You know, several years back, I took a young man, elementary age, to a Dad's with Donuts day at a school. Um, It was the year that he lost his father in a military operation. And when you consider those things, man, the, the weight of, of the meaning becomes quite large. I know Veterans Day is a day that we recognize those that have served and are currently serving, but I want you to hear from me today how grateful I am for you and for your service. And I want to take a moment to pray for current service members and for their families and for the families who are living in the wake of loss. They've lost their loved ones serving Serving our nation. So if you'll bow with me in a spirit of prayer, let's just take a few moments to pray um, together this morning. God, we do pray for those that are serving, Lord, that you would give them safety as they willingly place their lives on the line. God, I pray for their health. I pray for their families who often bear the weight of long deployments, um, the distance, the overall challenges that come along with military service. God, I pray for those who have lost loved ones in their, servants, their service to our country. God, I, I think about the chaplains who seek to share the love of Christ in these communities. I pray, God, you'll give them a fidelity to your word and you'll give them courage to share your truths. Lord, we also pray for salvations for those that don't know you. God, they recognize their need to trust in you as Savior. And Lord, we remember the greatest sacrifice that's ever been made. As you sent your son to die on that old rugged cross, all who believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So God, as we pray over our military today and those who are living on this side of a loss, God, I just pray for an extra measure of grace and comfort and care. For these families, God, may we never forget the sacrifices that have been made uh, for our freedom. And we pray this in the powerful name of King Jesus and all God's people. Said, Amen and Amen. Well, thank you for taking that moment with me as we begin. And I want to just invite you to grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter six. We're going to continue in the book of Romans. And uh, the title of today's message is pretty simple: It's "Say No to Sin and Say Yes to God." Sounds simple, but when it comes to putting that in practice, sometimes that can be pretty challenging. And we need wisdom here because the enemy is sneaky. Uh, He is wily. He is, according to the word the word, he's the father of the world. And he's roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. And if all these things are true, then we need to be prepared for the slyness, the sneakiness of the enemy. But take heart. For greater is he that is in me than he is in the world if you have Christ you have all that you need but we need to apply great wisdom here today I'll tell you how my middle daughter was really sneaky towards me and I'm not paralleling her with the enemy but how she was quite sneaky with me a couple of weeks ago my wife was out of town on a work retreat and um, I had instructions from my wife to keep our three youngins alive by the time she gets home. Low fence to jump over. Well, I'm struggling to do that. I mean, I'm hobbling around. I'm trying to get them ready for school. I've got two daughters, and I sent the two daughters to school three days in a row crying because I cannot get their hair right, Um, and that's a true story. Well, my middle daughter recognizes my challenges, and she says, You know, Dad, what Mom will do is she will take us to get coffee at McDonald's if we get ready on time. I was like, listen, baby, if you'll get everybody ready on time, I'll take you to get coffee. If that's what mom does, it must be acceptable. So she's a leader, man, and she rallies the troops. She gets them all together and gets them in the truck, and we go uh, strike out to McDonald's. I get a big old coffee for my son, big old coffee for my nine-year-old middle daughter, and a big old coffee for my six-year-old uh, daughter. And be- before you judge me too harshly, can I just say, this I I, I now know okay so I get it all right but at the time it just seemed reasonable and right and so I get them coffee and we're rolling to school well the six-year-old not a fan she doesn't really like the coffee Uh, my nine-year-old I don't really know what Zane did with his but my nine-year-old she guzzled hers down in record time and since the six-year-old did not like her coffee she guzzled hers down too so we get to school and I drop them off about nine o'clock the nurse calls (laughs) and she said hey uh teacher sent her to the nurse because she's never displayed any form of test anxiety but we were wondering if that's what happened because she could not write she was shaking so bad and her heart rate threw the roof and so they go through this laundry list to try to medically diagnose what was wrong with my baby girl and uh, they finally ask her the question did you have anything to eat or drink this morning in turn my middle daughter said yes my dad took me to McDonald's and I drank a big coffee and my sister's and so uh, we found the source the source was me and come to find out my wife does not do that she has taken them to McDonald's before but it's decaf and watered down and it happens a couple of times a year so she is my middle daughter sneaky y'all and she got me Uh, but uh, one of the good things that came out of that and I haven't shared this with the other two services is she now thinks she's allergic to coffee which is great she's like I never want to feel that way again so um, I'm sorry to her Uh, but today we're going to talk about how we we can avoid being manipulated by the enemy how we uh, can present our bodies as instruments to righteousness instead of instruments to wickedness and I brought a resource for you just a recommendation it's a book by John Owen I try to read this once a year it's called The Mortification of Sin Uh, So you can order this. Make sure if you do order this, it parallels so well with our text today. Make sure that you order the abridged version, the easy-to-read version, because sometimes the puritanical writings are quite challenging. Um, Even in the abridged version, this can be challenging. So uh, that's just kind of a helpful hint for you. But that book I found to be incredibly helpful with this particular portion of uh, the text that we are in. if you have found your place and you're willing and able, please stand in honor of reading the Word of God. Romans chapter 6 starting in verse 12 if you're there we say amen it says this let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body and make it uh, to make it obey it's to make you obey its passions do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. The last verse for today, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. May God bless the reading and the proclamation of his word today. You may be seated. All right, diving right into the text, verse 12, we see uh, the word saying, do not let sin reign in your mortal body now prior to christ we were at peace with sin now i'm not saying that if you are a person who is not a follower of jesus that you are always picking the vilest offense and you find comfort and rest there we're not typically as bad as we could be however prior to christ the word says that we settle into sin it doesn't feel foreign to us. There's no conviction involved. Um, it feels very normal. It feels very standardized. And it, as you look at as you look at our culture, you can see that. Our culture has propagated certain things uh, to the world, including the church, so much so that they have normalized the systems of the world. So it's customary, it's, it's standardized, it's just for us to say this is how you ought to live. And if you don't live in these ways, if you don't fall under these precepts that the world has placed before you, then you're the one that's unloving or unkind or out of step. So you can feel all of the weight that the world puts in front of us in terms of this desire to be at peace with what God calls sin. Now, the Bible here is saying that if we are a new creation in Christ, we should not not be at peace with our sin. This is why John says in 1 John, do not love the world because If we love the world, the love of God is not seen through us. Now, it's not talking about the people of the world. God would not say to pray for your enemies and then to not love the world. We are to love the people of the world, but we're not to love the systems and structures and standards that the world has called normal whenever those structures and systems and customs and standards are sinful. We should reject that. We should say no to that and present ourselves before the Lord as instruments of righteousness. In Christ, we should have a desire to walk in the new nature that he has given us and we should have this repelling desire to run from sin, which grieves the heart of God. So in Christ, we're not making peace with sin anymore. There's a, there's a natural desire to repel sin. Now, I know that as a believer, sin now no longer has the same effect. We don't necessarily find ourselves at peace with sin as believers because we now have the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God in us. And when we do sin, we feel it to be offensive. And it's offensive because we are, we've grieved the heart of God. And we don't want to grieve the heart of God. So it feels out of step. It doesn't feel customary. It feels very much like we have done something wrong, and maybe a good word is icky, something that doesn't feel right whenever we choose to lay in sin. And that's a good thing because we should not be at peace with our sin. Even though, that, as believers in Christ, new creation in Christ, even though we struggle with um, sin, we need to know that it is, important for us to realize that we have the power of God in us. So just because you become a believer in Jesus it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're automatically through with the struggle of sin. We know that we struggle with sin. We know that even though it's offensive and wrong, it's still something that can get in our crawl. It's still something that can lure us and entice us. We we know that it's still in front of us. So what Paul is saying here is because that's the case, you need to realize that you're a new creation in Christ. It's you're under grace. You have the Spirit of God in you. So you have the tools necessary to overcome, but you have to do something about it. You have to put some feet to it. There's some action steps you have to take. You know, I could wholeheartedly desire to lose 10 pounds. I could even purchase a gym membership. I could even buy all the food that I need to eat to get me to my goal. But if I don't put into practice the desire that I have, then nothing's going to happen. I have to assert myself on some level, I have to exercise my will on some level. I have to exercise my will. I've got to get to a place where I'm saying, I need to put feet to this desire that I have to please the Lord, which means, I love the language Paul used here. He says, let not, do not let. So the text is saying this is a fight. Yes, you're saved, you're eternally saved, you're secure in Christ, but we live in what? Paul calls our mortal bodies so we have to mortify sin in our mortal bodies sometimes in common language we think of mortify as embarrassment but the the true sense of the word is to put to death we have to be willing to put to death this sin that is in front of us and this requires a fight y'all when I was playing um, high school football I was a sophomore playing outside linebacker and we had this bruiser of a running back man he was so good and he had put you on your behind and he did that to me in practice on a regular basis he put me on my behind and i remember our defensive coordinator who was a dog biscuit eating defensive coordinator what i mean by that is our mascot was the bulldogs and before a game he would have us eat dog biscuits because he thought that would get us fired up and it did all right so man this guy was my coach he was in my ear he's saying do not be timid do not let him run over you anymore fill the gap fill the gap he's running through the gap you're letting him go he's beating you up you got to fight and you need to fill that gap well man he got me so fired up the next play he started running through that gap and I ran full speed and I put that big boy on his bottom you hear me and I stepped on top of him and I, I acted like I'd done it a thousand times now what I didn't what I didn't tell him and didn't tell my coaches, I never wanted to do that again. I felt like I've got, I feel I like got some residual damage from that today. You know what I'm saying? Like that was a, that was a big deal. But I'll never forget him getting me fired up to do it. And you know, in life, you're going to have these sinful uh, desires in front of you, and we have to realize that. You know what? You know what this requires of me? It requires me to fight. I've got to do some things. I need to make sure that I'm exercising my will, that I'm asserting myself, and not letting the enemy win, man. Because I, I I want to live out verse 12. I don't want to let sin reign. I'm no longer under the reign of sin. I'm under the reign of grace. I don't want to let it reign in my mortal body. I don't want to awaken a passion because he says here, it will make you obey its, its passions. When you awaken that passion, man, it's like you think you can have just a little bit of sin and you can keep it compartmentalized. You cannot. I cannot. What it does is it awakens something. And those passions just take take fire and and that's what happens on the inside of us whenever we just give vent give way to sin no we must fight brother we must fight sister here today it's important for us to fight kevin DeYoung wrote a book once entitled the hole in our holiness meaning there's a gap for many of us when it comes to pursuing godliness when it comes to pursuing holiness we must pursue god I don't want a hole in my holiness. I I want, man, I want to fill. God, help me to recognize where there's gaps. And just as my football coach fired me up to fill the gap, God, help me to fill the gap in Christ. Help me to please you. Is there a gap in my marriage, God, that it needs to be filled? God, is there a gap in the things that I'm looking at, the things that I'm viewing that I need to deal with? God, is there a gap in the things I'm letting into my mind? God, help me to fill that gap. Is there a gap in my language, God? Is there a gap in... The way I'm I'm speaking, or, or gossiping, or whatever the case may be, is there a gap? God, help me to feel it to please you. Help me, God, if there's a gap in the things I'm letting into my ear. God, help me to feel the gap. I don't want to let it rain. I don't want. I don't want that passion to to give way to full vi- fire. I, I don't want a spark to be set aflame. I, I want. I, I don't want to be at, at peace with my sin. I want God your peace. I want to please you. I'm going to honor you. This is what Paul is reminding us of. As those who have been justified in Christ, man, we need to know that we are now to pursue him and to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Romans 12 speaks of this, to present ourselves to God so that he is pleased with our lives. You know, a justified person can continue in sin, but a justified person ought not to continue in sin. We shouldn't desire it. We can, yes, but we ought not to. Why? Because sin is no longer the dominant principle of our lives. We have been made as new creations in Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. Recognize that sin is a usurper, and sin, the enemy will use whatever he can uh, to usurp this reality that we're new creations in Christ and to try to overcome who we are naturally in Christ and cause us to go back to the old self. As Colossians 3 says, we'll put on those old clothes, and we'll want to pick up who we no longer are, and we'll want to walk in those standards, but we should not do that why because we're new creations in Christ. And if we let our guard down, you know, the the reality is our our our, our will will falter. And we will find things that are glittery, glittery around us as attractive and we'll want to chase after those things when in reality that's not pleasing to the Lord. And we have to make sure that we're honoring him and pleasing him. So as Paul says here, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you are obeying its passions. But here in verse 13, continuing on, it says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. Rather, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer your body to him as instruments of righteousness. So don't offer yourself as an instrument of wickedness, but offer yourself as an instrument of Righteousness, so your body, your mind, your heart, how are you, right now today, how are you presenting your body, your mind, your heart to God? How are you being presented to God? You know, the other night we went to the Angus Barn Pavilion for an event, went with the Grimes family. It was a really special event. I'd never been to the Angus Barn Pavilion, and I could hear my wife's. Um, just wisdom pouring into my brain as we're going, because she said this to me on so many different occasions and so many different things. I could hear her saying to me, act like you've been to a place like this before. Right? Because, listen, we don't have, Ang- we don't have like, Angus barns like that in North Florida. Y'all know what I'm saying? It doesn't look like a barn to me. But anyway, um, I get mesmerized really quickly with all these fancy things. Like, man, I just have never seen or experienced things like this. And she's like, hey, just act like you've been here before well as believers in christ we're no longer under the reign of sin we're under the reign of grace and as the text says here in verse 13 we are new creations in christ present yourselves to god as those who have been brought from death to life remember last week we talked about death in terms of crucifixion christ died once and for all for the penalty of our sin The penalty has been satisfied. Now we are to die to ourselves every single day so that that Christ can be seen in our lives, so that we're dying to our fleshliness, so that we're dying to our old self, so that Christ can be seen in the way that we live our lives, so the power of sin can be broken. Let's walk that way. Act like you've been here before because you are here. If you are a believer in Christ, you have new life in Jesus. You ain't got no business, man, being where you used to be. You got no business wallowing in that old cesspool that you used to wallow in because that's not who we are anymore. We are new creations in Christ. We've been brought from death to life. Do not be mesmerized by sin's lure. Do not be mesmerized by sin's appeal because if you do, if I do, we will now be presenting our bodies as instruments for evil and we have a choice to make. We can either present our bodies as instruments to righteousness Or as instruments to evil We can either reach for drug or or drink Or we can reach for the word of God We can either use our eyes to view God's beautiful creation And our beautiful families and the word of God Or we can use our eyes to look upon something That's only going to stir lustful intent and affection We can use our feet to take us to serve someone Or we can use our feet to take us to a place that we ought not be How are you, brother, how are you, sister, presenting your mortal body before the Lord? What type of weapon, what type of instrument are you presenting before God? Is it it for him or is it for evil? You know, a good example here is David. David, when he was a young man, a man after God's own heart, he was used to slay a giant. And he presented himself before God. He was not afraid, he was not timid. As a matter of fact, he didn't even wear that old heavy armor. He just said, God, let me be used to your glory. And he was. But fast forward a few years, and no longer did he use his body to honor God. No, now he's using his body to dishonor God as weapons of evil. He uses his eyes, for example, to notice Bathsheba and to lust after her. He uses his his, his mouth to give the call to send Uriah who's Bathsheba's husband on the front lines of the battlefield to be killed to ultimately try to conceal his sin you see we have a choice to make we can either use our lives to glorify God or we can use our lives for wickedness what type of choice are you making right now if you were to assess your life right now where are you how are you presenting yourself before God are you presenting yourself as someone who desires holiness you desire to please the lord you want to make those decisions that honor him or are you just making peace with your sin are you just trying to find a way to make peace with the things that you are doing wrong that are displeasing to god you know john owens in this book and i'm going to kind of paraphrase him and put it in language that that i think i can understand a little bit better but he says he says in this book that if we declare the mercy of God over us when we are intentionally pursuing sin, what we have done is we have we have pitted the grace of God as kind of this license against our own fleshly desires. And so we're running towards the things that we want to run towards, yet we're declaring mercy all the while. Man, what we're doing is we are claiming the grace of God and We're just making a mockery out of God's grace. I would encourage you today that if you have made peace in some kind of sinful area of your life and you're just declaring the grace of God over you, that's exactly what Paul is preaching against. He's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't justify it. You can always find someone that you seem to be better than in terms of the way that you live your life. But the standard for us is not A person who appears to be a more egregious sinner than us for we are all sinners god is our standard are we pleasing him are we honoring him with the way that we think with our heart with our bodies are we honoring jesus in every area of our life you can't be half in and half out You can't be half in and out, half out. You can't think about all the great things you've done for God, hoping that that gives you license to continue in your sin because you've done so much good. You can't be half in and half out. You have to give your entire life, yield your entire life to Him. I know this is hard and this hurts because, again, we are in mortal bodies and that fleshliness about us is real and the struggle is real and we're all on the same page. But, brother or sister, identify what that is and make war against it because God is worth it. Come on, somebody. The last verse says, Sin shall not be your master, for you are under grace, not law. We are no longer under the reign of sin as believers. The pressing weight of sin is no longer on top of us as believers. The curse of the law is not what we are reigned under. No, we are under grace. We began in grace, salvifically speaking, and we continue in grace for the rest of our days. How do you know it takes the grace of God to help you to overcome this sin? <laughs> You need God's grace. You need the Spirit of God, the power of God, because in your weakness, man, you know you can be made strong in Christ. He will be able to obey God by the Spirit of God in us, and we're able to bear good fruit for God. Why? Because we have new life in Jesus, and we are to act as if we have new life in Jesus. We are to walk as if we have new life in Him. Someone once said it this way I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I got a fist, I'll butt it as long as I got a head, and I'll bite it as long as I got a tooth. That's pretty good, isn't it? John Piper puts it pretty simply. He says, don't just bellyache about your failures. Make war. Is God worth it to you? Are you willing to fight? Are you willing to assert yourself? Are you willing to exercise your will? Are you willing to fight against this sin? It really is that simple. In the power of God, we can walk in the grace of God and pursue Jesus, not sin, not sin. I know it's tough. The truth is simple. It's tough to live out, pragmatically speaking. But in the power of God, we can. I'll give you a couple examples. So when I was in high school, first became a Christian, 16, going on 17. and just, just turned 17. I'm riding in my vehicle with a buddy of mine named Tito. And I'm listening. So for the younger people, back in the day we had these things called CDs. All right? So anyway, I was listening to some CDs. And, man, this music was anything but edifying um, to to me and to the lord it was it was really bad but i didn't even think about it i was just listening to it just like i normally would well tito and i are talking and he just kind of pauses the conversation he says hey man why are you listening to that trash i was like what you talking about everybody likes this he's like yeah i know it's normal in the world you know but like this is we're talking about growing in jesus man this is not this is not helping you you're putting some stuff in your mind that you shouldn't so, I took all those CDs because they were all bad, and we're driving down the road, and I'm, I chunked them out the window, y'all. Some farmer got them. They were on his land, right? Just boom. And I hadn't dealt with the sin of littering at that point. Didn't even think about it. I was just like, man, get this away from me. I wanted to make war with that old stuff that I was putting in my brain. Also, think about the movie Fireproof when Kirk Cameron in the movie is dealing with the issue of pornography. And the Lord is getting a hold of him, and he walks in and recognizes that that computer station at his home has been a source of, of, of sinful intent for him for quite some time. And there's a scene in the movie where he rips that computer out the wall, takes it outside, gets a baseball bat, and starts hitting on that thing, and the neighbor thinks he's crazy. But the picture there is he's making war with sin. Why? Because he thinks God's worth it. Now, I also think about my buddy back home who had some relational struggles and I'll just kind of leave it at that but one of the sources that he found to be an instrument he was using to accomplish the sinful habits that he had adopted was his smartphone. and he's a high capacity businessman and he walks around today with a flip phone and people sometimes look at him quite funny and he just smiles because here's what he knows that maybe others do not he has made war with that which is causing him struggle why because he has deemed God to be worthy listen in our mortal bodies we have a choice we're either going to present ourselves as instruments of wickedness or righteousness and i would say two things number one if you've messed up well let me just say this we've all messed up know this that god's grace is so good and his mercies are new every morning and you can start fresh and you can start new right now today praise god for that second thing is this man you have to fight and god is worth the fight it's not that we're trying to earn something from him. All of that has been satisfied. It's man, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, he has worth it. And I'm gonna fight for this because I wanna please him with my life. I can't think of a better way for us to close today than with the sacrament of communion. And if you're here and you wanna take part in this and you did not receive a package, just raise your hand high and we'll make sure to get you one. Don't be shy with balcony and down here just raise your hand high we'll make sure to get you one i can't think of a better time for us to come before the lord and just remember what he's done for us this wonderful mercy this wonderful grace god has not given us what we deserve he's been merciful to us god gave us what we didn't deserve he's been gracious to us we remember his crucifixion here where the penalty of sin was satisfied and we renew our desire and our pursuit to die to ourselves every day so that the power of sin may be broken in our life every day you know on the night that the lord jesus was betrayed he instituted this sacrament of his body and of his blood and we call it the lord's supper we call it communion and it's to be observed in the church and it's a perpetual remembrance we do this once a month of the sacrifice of his death we also celebrate his resurrection recognizing that this seals the benefits to the believer that the lord has granted to us that allows us to be truly engaged in what he has done, realizing that we can never pay him back, but we owe our lives to him. We owe our lives to him. We should give all that we have to him. And it's a renewed pledge of our communion with him and with each other as members of the body of Christ. Now this is not, we don't believe this becomes the real body and blood of Christ, but we do believe that it's an excellent representation of his body that was freely given, and his blood that was shed freely, so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have life, so that we could be justified. You've heard us talk about that a lot in Romans, so that we could be justified before God. Declared not guilty, the penalty of sin satisfied. He did this for us, and every time we do this, we remember that, and we worship, and we celebrate. The Bible does give a couple of caveats here. Number one, if you are here and you're a believer, but you're in some type of habitual, perpetual sin right now. Um, there's not anyone in here that's sinless, but maybe there's some of you that you're just in the thick of your sin. The Bible says, hey, don't just take communion thanking God for a sacrifice. Pause on that. Set this aside and spend time with Jesus repenting, turning from your sin, asking for the Lord to forgive you. Start fresh and start new. That's a great, and listen, I've had to do that before during um, opportunities to share communion with the body of Christ. And it's difficult. It takes laying down your pride, but it's so worth it. And it's biblical. So do it. It's also, the Bible also says that this is for the believer. So if you're an unbeliever in this room, just eavesdrop as we celebrate what God has done. We remember what God has done. And we display hearts of thanksgiving for what God has done. Just eavesdrop on that because I want you to see how important this is. This matters so deeply as a symbol of what Christ has done. If you want to go ahead and take the top layer off of your package, um, communion package there, we will begin. I'm going to read the text out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And we had given thanks, and we do thank the Lord for this bread that represents his body that was given. And we thank God for the blood that represents the new co- covenant. We praise God for those things. And so we thank him for it, and we give thanks for that. And after you give him thanks, it says that he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Bible continues in the same way. He also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, I love the song that our worship team has chosen to close us out. We're going to sing, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, and it speaks of our proneness to wonder, and we can all relate to that. And Lord, we feel it. Prone to leave the God that we love. We've been there. But today is a great reminder that in His strength, He brings us back. And in His strength, we can live each day seeking to honor Him and to please Him, knowing that He's got a plan for us and our purpose is fully secure, and that is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forevermore. So as we sing this last song, Come Thou Fount, I ask that you sing it very declaratively. Sing it with hearts of great thanksgiving, uh, hearts of praise, for he is worthy of all adoration, worship, and praise. Let's stand together as we sing this last song.